Purple.com. Sleep better for less. Number one in the customer satisfaction two years in a row with Mattresses Online by J.D. Power Award. Pack the right mattress for you. The Purple Mattress Dual Layer Comfort Foam. Purple Hybrid Breathable Responsive Support. Purple Hybrid Premier Less Pressure for Dreamy Floating. The Ascent Adjustable Base to make it possible to work, read, and lounge in bed. Bundle up for big savings, 10% off premium bedding and cushion bundles. Kids' mattresses often be placed grid and softer form for best support for even for little sleepers. Enjoy no pressure support with free sheets and two pillows on select mattresses. Purchases up to 247, 247 value. Sleepy Jones and purple pajamas, all day comfort with a so soft. Stretch inspired pajamas while you worry about breakfast. Some products are purple harmony pillow, double sheet cushion, purple and gravity weighted blanket, purple duvet. Choose purple for no pressure support for everybody. Thirty years, thirty plus years, and thirty-five patents. Comfort gel grid technology originally created to make it. Wheelchairs more comfortable than they remembered beds. Pur- people love purple, period. Positively, that's P-A-W-S-I-T-I-V-L. What? <coughs> Comfy even for your fur, baby. Everyplate.com Make affordable, pleasing, crowd-pleasing meals at home. Choose from 14 delicious and affordable recipes that change every week. Everything you need is shipped to your door. Home-cooked deliciousness ready in 30 minutes. Save time and skip tedious trips to the grocery store. <coughs> Save money and enjoy tasty dinners that won't break the bank at only $4.99 per serving. Easy to cook recipes at only six simple steps and will turn you into a chef. And you can skip or cancel anytime. Examples of meals are sweet chili chicken, super smashed burgers, balsamic glazed pork chops, Tuscan pork meatballs, crispy blue cheese chicken, chicken sausage meatball soup, saucy chicken and pepper stir fry, garlicky white sauce, flatbreads, caramelized onion, meatloafs, loaded baked potato chowder, creamy chicken sausage penne, black bean and pepper jack Tostadas, chili garlic shrimp, crispy chickpea couscous bowls, just select recipes after signing up, recommended by 9,000 families, break the cycle of boring. (coughs) Uh, Here is part two of U.S. President number 26, Theodore Roosevelt. Emerges as a national figure, Assistant Secretary of the Navy. In 1896 presidential election, Roosevelt backed Speaker of the House Thomas Brackett Reed for the Republican nomination, but William McKinley won the nomination and defeated William Jennings Bryan <coughs> in the <coughs> general election. Roosevelt opposed Bryan's free silver platform, viewing many of Bryan's followers as dangerous fanatics, and Roosevelt gave campaign speeches for McKinley, urged by 
Congressman Henry Cabot Lodge, President McKinley, appointed Roosevelt as the Assistant Secretary of the Navy in 1897. Secretary of the Navy John D. Long was more concerned about formalities and functions, was in poor health, and left many major decisions to Roosevelt. Influenced by Alfred Thayer Mann, Roosevelt called for a buildup in the country's naval strength, particularly the construction of battleships. Roosevelt also began pressing his national security views regarding the Pacific and the Caribbean. Uh, McKinley and was particularly adamant that Spain be ejected from Cuba. He explained his priorities to one of, of the Navy's planners in late 1897. I regard war with Spain from two viewpoints. First, the advisability on the grounds of both the humanity and self-interest of interfering on behalf of the Cubans and of taking one more step toward the complete freeing of America from European Dominion. Second, the benefit done our, pe our people by giving them something to think of which is not material gain, and especially the benefit done our military forces by trying both the Navy and Army in actual practice. On February 15, 1898, USS Maine arm, arm, an armored cruiser exploded in the harbor of Havana, Cuba, killing hundreds of crew members, while Roosevelt and many other Americans blamed Spain for the explosion. McKinley sought a diplomatic solution without approval from Long or McKinley. Roosevelt sent out orders to several naval vessels directing them to prepare for war. George Dewey, who had received an appointment to lead the Ajax squadron with the backing of Roosevelt, Later, credited his victory at the Battle of Manila Bay to Roosevelt's orders. After finally giving up hope of peaceful solution, McKinley asked Congress to declare war upon Spain, beginning the Spanish-American War. War in Cuba. With the beginning of the Spanish-American War in late 18, April 1898, Roosevelt resigned from his post as secretary, Assistant Secretary of the Navy. Along with Armored Colonel Leonard Wood, he reformed the first U.S. Volunteer Cavalry Regiment, his wife, and Many of his friends begged Roosevelt to remain in the post in Washington, but Roosevelt was determined to see battle. When the newspapers reported the formation of the new regiment, Roosevelt and Wood were flooded with applications from all over the country. Referred to by the press as the Rough Riders, the regiment was one of the many temporary units actively, active only for the duration of the war. The regiment trained for several weeks in San Antonio, Texas, and in his autobiography, Roosevelt that his prior experience with the New York National Guard had been invaluable and in that it enabled him to immediately begin teaching his men basic soldering skills. Soldiering skills. The Rough Riders used some standard issue gear and some of their own design purchased with gift money. Diversity characterized the regiment, which included Ivy Leaguers, professional and amateur athletes, upscale gentlemen, cowboys, frontiersmen, Native Americans, hunters, miners, prospectors, prospectors, Former soldiers, tradesmen, and sheriffs, the Rough Riders were part of the Cavalry Division, commanded by former Confederate General Joseph Wheeler, which itself was one of three divisions of the V Corps under Lieutenant General William Rufus Shafter. Roosevelt and his men landed in Dacre, Cuba on June 23, 1898, and marched to Sibony. Wheeler went, spent, sent parts of the 1st and 10th Regular Cavalry on the Lower Road Northwest and sent the Rough Riders on the parallel road running along a ridge up from the beach. To throw off his infantry rival, Wheeler left one regiment of his cavalry division, the 9th at Sibony, so that he could the ninth at Sibony, so that he could claim that his move north was only a limited reconnaissance if things went wrong. Roosevelt was promoted to colonel and took command of the regiment when Wood was put in command of the brigade. The Rough Riders had a short minor skirmish known as the Battle of Los 
Guasimas, they fought their way through Spanish resistance and together with the regulars forced the Spaniards to abandon their positions. Under his leadership, the Rough Riders became famous for the charge up Kettle Hill on July 1st, 1898, while supporting the regulars. Roosevelt had only had the only horse and rode back and forth between rifle pits at the forefront of the advance up, up Kettle Hill in an advance that he urged despite the absence of any orders from superiors. He was forced to walk up the last part of Kettle Hill because his horse had been entangled in barbed wire. Barbed wire. The victories came at a cost of 200 killed and 1,000 wounded. Roosevelt commented on his role in the battles. On the day of the big fight, I had asked my men to do a deed that European military writers consider utterly impossible of performance, that is, to attack over open ground an unshaken infantry armed with the best modern repeating rifles behind a formal system of entrenchments. The only way to get them to do it in the way it had been done was to lead them the, myself. In August, in August, Roosevelt and other Officers demanded that the soldiers be returned home. Roosevelt always recalled the Battle of Kettle Hill, part of the San Juan Heights, as the great day of my life and my crowded hour. In 2001, Roosevelt was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor for his actions. He had been nominated during the war, but Army officials annoyed at his grabbing the headlines blocked it. After returning to civilian life, Colonel Roosevelt Roosevelt preferred to be known as Colonel Roosevelt or the Colonel, though Teddy remained much more popular with the public, even though Roosevelt openly despised that moniker. Men working closely with Roosevelt customarily called him Colonel or Theodore. Henceforth, political cartoons of Roosevelt usually depicted him in his Rough Rider garb. Governor of New York After leaving Cuba in August 1898, the Rough Riders were transported to a camp at Montauk Point, Long Island, where Roosevelt and his men were briefly quarantined due to the War Department's fear of spreading yellow fever. Shortly after Roosevelt's return to the United States, Republican Congressman Lemuel E. Quigg, a lieutenant of party boss Tom Platt, asked Roosevelt to run in the 1898 gubernatorial election. Platt disliked Roosevelt personally, feared that Roosevelt would pose Platt's interests in office and was elected to repel Roosevelt to the forefront of national politics. However, Platt also needed a strong candidate due to the unpopularity of the incumbent Republican governor, Frank S. Black, and Roosevelt agreed to become the nominee and, and to try not to make war with the Republican establishment while once in office. Roosevelt defeated Black in the Republican caucus by a vote of 753 to 218 and faced Democrat Augustus Van Wick, a well-respected judge, in a general election. Roosevelt campaigned vigorously on his war record and winning the election by a margin of just 1%. As governor, Roosevelt earned, learned much about the ongoing economic issues and political techniques that later proved invaluable in his presidency. He was exposed to the problems of trust, monopolies, labor relations, and conservation. Chess, Chessman argues that Roosevelt's program rested firmly upon the concept of, of the square deal by a neutral state. The rules for the square deal were honesty in public affairs, inequitable sharing of privilege and responsibility, and subordination of party and local concerns to the interests of the state at large. By holding twice daily press conferences, which was an innovation, Roosevelt remained connected with his middle class political base. Roosevelt successfully pushed the four. Ford Franchise Tax Bill, which taxed public franchises granted by the state and controlled by corporations, declaring that a corporation which derives its powers from the state should pay to the state a just percentage of its earnings as a return for the privileges it enjoys. He rejected boss Thomas C. Platt's worries that at this approach by 
Brian Knight Social explaining that without it, New York voters might get angry and adopt public ownership of streetcar lines and other franchises. The New York state government affected many interests and the power to make appointments to policy-making positions was a key role for the governor. Platt insisted that he could be consulted on major appointments. Rosa appeared to comply but then made his own decisions. Rosetarians marvel that Roosevelt managed to appoint so many first-rate men with Platt's approval. He even enlisted Platt's help in securing reforms, such as in the spring of 1899, when Platt pressured state senators to vote for a civil service bill that the Secretary of the Civil Service Reform Association called superior to any civil service statute heretofore secured in America. Chessman argues that as Governor Roosevelt developed the principles that shaped his presidency, especially insisted upon public responsibility of larger corporations publicly, publicity as a first priority for trust, regulation of railroads, mediation of the conflict of capital and labor, conservation of natural resources, and protection of the less fortunate members of society. Roosevelt sought to position himself against the excesses of large corporations on the one hand and radical movements on the other. As the chief executive of the most populous state in the Union, Roosevelt was widely considered a potential future presidential candidate and supporters such as William Allen White encouraged him to run for president. Roosevelt had no interest in challenging McKinley for the Republican nomination in 1900 and was denied his preferred post of Secretary of War. As his term progressed, Roosevelt pondered the 1904 presidential run but was uncertain about whether he should seek re-election as governor in 1900. Vice President. In November 1899, Vice President Goldbart Ho Garrett Hobart died at Hartford, leaving an open spot on the 1900 Republican National Ticket. Little Henry Cabot Lodge and others urged him to run for Vice President in 1900. Roosevelt was reluctant to take the powerless position and issued a public statement saying that he would not accept the nomination. Additionally, Roosevelt was informed by President McKinley and, manager, and campaign manager Mac Mark Hanna that he was not being considered for the role of Vice President due to his actions prior to the Spanish-American War. Eager to be rid of Roosevelt, Platt nonetheless began a newspaper campaign in favor of Roosevelt's nomination for the Vice Presidency. Roosevelt attended the 1900 Republican National Convention as a state delegate and struck a bargain with Platt. Roosevelt will accept the nomination for a Vice President if the convention offered it to him, but would otherwise serve another term as governor. Platt asked Pennsylvania Party boss Matthew Quay to lead the campaign for Roosevelt's nomination, and Quay outmaneuvered Hannah at the convention to put Roosevelt on the ticket. Roosevelt won the nomination unanimously. Roosevelt's vice presidential campaigning proved highly energetic and an equal match for Democratic presidential nominee William Jennings Bryan's famous barnstorming style of campaigning. In a whirlwind campaign that displayed his energy to the public, Roosevelt made 480 stops in 23 states. He denounced the radicalism of Bryan, contrasting it with the heroism of the soldiers and sailors who fought and won the war against Spain. Bryan had strongly supported the war itself, but he denounced the annexation of the Philippines as a as imperialism, which would spoil America's innocence. Roosevelt countered that it was best for the Filipinos to have stability and the Americans to have a proud place in the world. With the nation basking in peace and prosperity, the voters gave McKinley an even larger victory than that which he had achieved in 1896. After the campaign, Roosevelt took office as vice president in March 1901. The office of vice president was a powerless, secure, powerless, 
and Sinecure and did not suit Roosevelt's aggressive temperament. Roosevelt's six months as vice president were uneventful, and Roosevelt presided over the Senate for a mere four days before the adjourned. On September 2, 1901, Roosevelt first publicized an aphorism that thrilled his supporters at the Minnesota State Forest. Speak softly and carry a big stick, and you will go far. Stay tuned to part th three of U.S. President number. 26th, Teddy Theodore Roosevelt, next week. Have a good week. Thank you for listening, and I hope you stay safe during the coronavirus pandemic extend the, the 2021 as we look forward to a normal now that the vaccines are out, if that can ever happen. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and have a good week.